like my father was in East Tennessee land of free home and free spent time as a kid hills of Carolina mountains and valleys there there's no place finer till my time And now, hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. <laughs> How are we this week? I am good. It's nice this week, thankfully. It has been pretty nice. I took a nice little walk this morning with the animals. So. Yeah, we love a nice yeah. little animal walk. Yeah, it was cute. Obviously, I'm not in my home closet. I'm in an Airbnb closet at the moment because I decided to get away from all of the stress of my life and go to Asheville. <laughs> yeah, I love a little getaway. Yeah, so lots of fun stuff planned this weekend. And no child. Child is with his father, so can't nice. ask for better than that. No, that's awesome. It's so weird as a parent, and I don't know if other people experience this, but whenever I go and stay somewhere, like in a, a hotel, Airbnb, vacation, there's always so many projects at my house that I'm never at rest, really. So whenever I get to like a place that's already cleaned, and then there's no home projects, I'm just like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so this is what it's like to like, not have any responsibilities <laughs> you know like it's a bizarre feeling do you feel that way even without children Morgan no <laughs> you don't I'm like no. I don't need to clean anything like it's all clean I'll over clean it but like right. I have a hard time just like sitting down and relaxing but I yeah no I don't feel that when I travel but I think I've gotten better about relaxing at home so I haven't everything's a project <laughs> there's 3,700 projects at my house right now because it's either maintenance, new ideas, everything, you know? All the things. Yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah. I wonder and if granny, I granny that. next door, you know, it's always something. My phone's always ringing with three people. I'm walking to grannies. I'm getting groceries. I'm taking care of kids. I'm cooking. I'm cleaning. It's always something. All the things. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can find some peace this weekend for sure. Oh, I already have just in this very first night. Now I'm working here today, but tomorrow we'll go to Biltmore. It'll be fun. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, so I'm Morgan, the younger cousin. I'm Sarah, the older cousin, who's doing um, much better from a health standpoint. Yay. Yeah, we love to hear that. Um, last week, what did we talk about last week? Last week. We gave we the, talked- your parents more. Yeah, a little more about my biological parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So we, and then the week before that, we had a little bit of the relationships of the past. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so this week, we're just going to kind of give you guys just like another little update because we've had another development with Sarah's mom, my aunt. Um, so I don't know, Sarah, I'll let you start, I guess. Sure. I'm going to try to connect back to the last time we did an update, a state of the union, which was basically when my mother transitioned from the main hospital to the specialty hospital. And at that time, there had been um, a heroin use once in the hospital. um, And I had to deal with security and hospital and got her moved to the new facility that had very limited visiting time. The door stayed locked. I was 
either going myself or, you know, paying family friends to help out so that there was always that one visitor every day because you could only have one person every day. Because in my opinion and mind, which is not ever right, I was like, well, if I can keep the boyfriend from being able to have access to her, then he can't bring her drugs, you know? Um, it's kind of like putting bumper pads up. (laughs) It really doesn't have a long-term effect, but in the moment, it seemed like it would be helpful to surround her with positivity and people who cared and loved about her, you know, loved on her and cared and and tried to talk toward a a more positive future. So throughout this stay at this specialty hospital, they've been amazing. Um, I had a conference call with like her whole team in the beginning. They were very communicative. Like it's a very clean place. They were doing a really good job taking care of her. Like I was very, very pleased. And so she's been in there primarily getting wound care. So the huge wounds in her back, hip and and buttocks have been healing, which is basically a process of lots of bandage changes every day. Um, She until the last week has not been able to get out of the bed post amputations. And so it's just been, you know, a lot of rolling, um, trying to heal bed sores while also being in a bed all the time, managing pain. Her amputations have healed very well and we're trying to work toward prosthetics, but we're really at a crossroads because the more conversations that myself and loved ones have with her, the more we realize that she just wants to go home, which means she wants to choose the life that she's been living and she wants to choose drugs. And if she goes home in the state she's in, especially not having any independence right now with two amputations, she will not make it long. Um, She'll OD, she'll wind up back in the hospital. I mean, if she gets another infection at this point that's active, her body is just, it's to the point where there's no way. I mean, I've been wrong before, but the woman's body had hell. Okay. Yeah. The fact that she is still alive and her body is healing as well as it is, because it's healing really well, is just a miracle. Like It's crazy. Yeah. We're going to donate her to science when she passes because yeah. there's some like advanced genes and there's something going on. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So it's so hard and it's so sad. And like, you know, Morgan has had conversations with her and encouraged her. I will say Morgan's mother and our Nana have had conversations. Their encouragement comes off a little more harsh, kind of like a quick example of conversation I had with Morgan's mom the other day was like, well, I told her to not let her boyfriend spend money on all those vehicles and getting them fixed because why would she? I told her, I said, you can't even drive. You don't have legs. Why do you want to get those vehicles fixed? She was like, I shouldn't have said that because it's her older sister. She loves her. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, you're right. But you're right. You're right. I mean, it's a very good point. And yes, it was mean to say, but you're being very logical as well. So, so we still have the situation where her home is occupied by lots of people suffering with addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of really sketchy shit going on over there. The boyfriend is there. Um, He has access to all of her assets um, and her money. He literally brings her checks up and she signs them and he takes the money. And so, you know, our family wants nothing more but for her to go to a skilled nursing facility, get her, um, you know, prosthetics because she can live a full life and, and just stay clean and get better. But, you know, 
I had a conversation with her about staying clean. And she goes, how long have I been sober for? Because we've had a lot of really deep conversations. Like I'm getting that glimpse of she's back. Like it's my yeah. mom. And it sucks that she doesn't want to keep staying in that space. And she wants to go back and go back to the drugs. But she goes, how long have I been clean or have I been sober or whatever? And I was like, um, and I looked at the calendar and I said, I guess since January 21st, that's when you came to the hospital this time. <laughs> and she goes, are you talking about opioids? And I was like, yeah. She was like, I have opioids right now. She was like, I haven't ever been off of opioids. Like I went from one to another, but I've had opioids the whole time I've been in the hospital. And I was like, well, damn it. You're right. She said, I meant from alcohol because she did stop drinking a couple of years ago. So I was like going through like traumatic incidents in my head. Like when was it that she stopped? Oh yeah, that happened. That happened. That happened. You know, I was like, I think it was around 2018, 2019, (laughs) but I wish she still just drank. Um, that I know. would be a blessing. <laughs> yeah, no, that would truly be a blessing because she traded alcohol for heroin and meth, essentially. Yeah, just the worst possible thing. Yeah. So basically that's been where we are. I'm still encouraging her and working with her case managers to try to get her into a skilled nursing facility because that's the only way she can get her prosthetics. And she has to do occupational and physical therapy. Yeah. And she doesn't want to go. She wants to go home, which poses multiple problems. One, she has pending criminal charges and will probably get a warrant for her arrest. Apparently herself and part of our family believe that because she doesn't have legs that she won't get incarcerated. (laughs) And me and Morgan are like, no, y'all, they don't give a fuck. They don't (laughs) give a shit. Put your shit in a wheelchair and get you some help in the infirmary. They do not care if you don't have legs. They are not going to wait for you to get prosthetics to incarcerate you. No, they, yeah. I I mean, uh, if someone is can tell us that's not true willing to hear that but yeah I would yeah I feel pretty confident that yeah they don't give a shit yeah if anybody is uh knowledgeable on this we'd love some feedback for sure yeah so there's that I can't get a hold of a court court appointed attorney to get some updates so there's that problem and then the second problem is she's gonna go back home back on the needle and where she's been off of it she's going to kill herself I mean she's Betty badass when it comes to oh I can do a ton of stuff I can do more than everybody so what transpired go ahead well I was just gonna say like you know I think we mentioned it in the last time we gave this update is that like we had the realization that you know she never herself has said she wants to get clean she's just kind of all always maybe agreed with us when we've suggested it to her to get us to shut up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, She's never expressed like, I want to get clean ever. So, I mean, it's just us like hoping that she's like off drugs in the, like in the hospital off drugs long enough to where she'll change her mind at this point, which is, you know, the, the chances of that are wildly slim at this point. And I think we, we we're pretty much getting to accepting that, but it's really hard when you know, there's that still that glimmer of hope because she's not at home using every day. I mean, we're not waiting for that phone call. So it's, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I didn't think I was waiting for that phone call, but I got a very similar one this week, you know, and it's just like, I am at a point where I'm loving her where she is. I'm loving her as a human being. I'm doing what I can. I'm not going to put myself at risk. I've already started distancing myself and not visiting her as much. And As she gets more sober, she gets less selfish 
And so she doesn't ask for as much. Like before it'd be like, mom, I'm missing work. My child needs me. It doesn't matter. She would want me there. But now she's just like, I know you haven't been feeling well. Like I'm fine. You know, Um, you know, she gets into that mentality. So we sort of start pushing each other away as she gets better. I mean, this has happened multiple times this year. And so that's a healthier space for me to be in instead of hoping for something that she doesn't even want. I don't want to want it more than her, which I do, but I can't put that effort there. Right. So we all do. The other boot dropped just when I thought we're smooth sailing. I'm feeling a little better. I've got like weekend plans, you know, she's doing better. Like, you know, I've had people up there visiting her Tuesday night at nine o'clock. I get a call from the hospital. Actually, I first got a call from her boyfriend and I was like, well, this is bizarre because I hadn't talked to him in a few weeks. And he said, I need the pin for your mom at the hospital. And I was like, why do you need the pin? Like, that's not been a thing because she's been completely conscious and everything. You know, he was like, well, they won't tell me anything. So I need the pin. I was like, okay, well, the hospital's calling me. So hang on. And I put him on hold and clicked over. And it was the charge nurse. And she first asked me the identity of her boyfriend. She was like, who is this? And I explained it was her boyfriend. She was like, okay, well, he visited um, outside of policy when we saw him leave because the man is on a scooter. It's really hard to miss him. He's on a red scooter. Like I've talked to the hospital about this. Um, Five minutes later, your mom became completely unresponsive. He had given her heroin. She went into complete respiratory failure. And we narcanned her and bagged her and we were able to get her back. Yeah. So on the backside of the story, what had happened was even though the boyfriend did not, did not, did not, and just lied, um, he gave it to her and then must have been worried he gave her too much because he went to his car and called her and was on the phone with her when she became unresponsive and called the nurse's station. So at this point, you know, the nurse, the charge nurse is explaining it all to me. She's like, he is completely banned from the hospital. If we see him, we'll call the police. Cause that's really all they can do. There are no policies in place for people like this or people bringing people in hospital drugs. If you're an adult and you're in the hospital and you want to do drugs, you can do it. Like there's consequences, but You know, it's like they don't have like a safety team that's like there to stop people from making bad decisions, you know? Right. And so she was like, you know, he's banned. If he shows back up here, call the police. And also we've instituted absolutely no contact with your mom. And I was like, for how long? Because that's whenever they put in place, nobody can see her. And she said until she leaves. So it's not even like one week this time or two weeks. It's the duration of her stay. She is not allowed to have visitors. And so, I mean, it's just messed up on so many levels because this one person that we can't ban because she won't admit that he gives her drugs and she won't admit that he is, you know, a danger to her can't just be banned. It has to be everybody. So now you have a lady who is involuntarily in recovery, has had both of her legs amputated, has had melon size holes in her ass that have been abscessed that she's been getting stuffed and fucking is healing that's laying in a bed can't get up can't walk can't do anything for herself that's depressed now she can't even have a positive visitor or a family visitor yeah i mean (laughs) it's just the worst scenario possible um and I mean, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, can you imagine those nurses like 
they've they've been dealing with her they know her story and then it's like then she ods and they have to fucking hope that they can bring her back to life and, and mm-hmm. not let her die like it's just it's well in so all up. the lies like you can't do a drug test on someone who has coded and is completely unresponsive you have to be a skilled nurse to realize what has happened to use yeah. narcan i mean right like what what nursing staff would walk in a room of someone who suddenly stop breathing and be like, oh shit, get the Narcan, they did drugs. How would they know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, how could they possibly know? Now I will say with this team, and again, when there's an emergency, they're like, what, flipping through files? Probably not. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I had met with all of the providers and I mean, all of them, even pharmacy and told them her history. So I don't know if they had it flagged or what, but I, I guess I'm thankful that they knew to use Narcan and absolutely they were able to bring her back. And so the next day she's just pissed. She's denying that he did anything. She's trying to say her body just did it. And I, I was like, they've already drug tested you. Quit lying. She was like, well, opioids were already in my system because they give them to me. I'm like, it looks different when it's heroin. And guess what? Fentanyl is not being given to you. And guess what's in your system? Fentanyl. Because all heroin in our area is laced with fucking fentanyl. Which is terrifying. I mean, that's, I know multiple people my age who, you know, OD'd in their early to mid twenties because they didn't realize their heroin had fentanyl in it. Yeah. Which is horrifying. I mean, it's, it's so scary. I mean, literally my mom OD'd and died because there was fentanyl in the heroin probably because of the amount she just did. Right. And I don't know if we've mentioned, I can't remember if we've mentioned on previous episodes, but like she's been Narcan and she's OD'd and been narcan multiple times. I mean, she's, she, she kind of used to brag about it. Like, oh, you know, I've OD'd. Oh no, she 1000% has bragged about it to my face. I keep it at the house. Yeah, I right. got Narcan and then I, I, you know, she's like proud that she would just not go to the hospital and keep using afterwards. So, I right. mean, I need to study the science with Narcan, but Morgan, you have said before, like ODing, basically what happens is it slows your respiratory system and puts your respiratory system into failure. So just imagine that from a mental standpoint for a moment, your mind is fine. Your heart is pumping. And then suddenly you just can't breathe. That is called ODing. That's terrifying. And like, I guess Narcan stimulates your respiratory system. Yeah. For my under, I, cause I had to do a Narcan training when I was working in homelessness services. And I mean, it's been many years. I can't exactly remember, but you essentially fall asleep. I mean, before you notice that you're not breathing, but yeah, every, you fall asleep, everything slows down. And then, yeah, you essentially, your respiratory system stops working. And then the Narcan I can't remember exactly. I want to say like the Narcan molecules, uh, like latch to the opioid molecules and like, I don't know if somebody knows more about it, please let us know because I, I, it's been a minute since I've, I've done that kind of knowledge or training or anything with Narcan. Um, but yeah, it, it essentially will only work on like opioids. Mm Um, and it's your respiratory system now. So yeah, so the next day she's pissed because our family knew what happened. And basically she would rather just cover it up and him not get into trouble. And at this point, our Nana has called the police, which 
<laughs> no one understands or believes or can process really how things work with like the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, narcotics. Like when there is a active drug house, how much information and investigation you actually have to do to get a case that'll stick. I mean, mm-hmm. they watched that house that she lives in my childhood home for like a year before they even had a case to bust it. And then the charges that they were charged with, like maintaining a dwelling for use of drugs is like a slap on the wrist. It's been almost two years since they were charged. They're still not in jail. The house is still operating. And like, you can call the police and be like, well, we have video footage of this guy coming in and then her OD. But the reality is if he's at home and like, the police go there. They have no right to go inside the house. They have no right to search him. They have no right to charge him. Like unless you have evidence on site at the hospital that they find in the room on you, there's no case. But my Nana still wanted to call the police. I supported it. I was getting the incident report. I mean, basically yesterday, my whole morning was filled with calls with nurses, calls with the quality control person at the hospital, calls with security at the hospital calls with my family and then them having the non-emergent police line on the other line you know and it's like at the end of the day there will be no consequence for this which is so messed up like we'll push for it but it's like if she had died would there be a consequence because in Tennessee they do run that as a consequence now but she was also in the hospital You know, like everything is so blurry and you can't point fingers, but it's like, I understand that it's not their job to like babysit and make sure no one's using, but at the same time, like we, the hospitals are really loose about visitation here in Tennessee now. And like the doors aren't staying locked. There's no check-ins. And I mean, quite frankly, it's scary as shit that anybody could walk into a hospital and do whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, a really good point. Um, there's so many, I mean, there's so many nuances with this situation and it's like, I mean, there's from so many directions, like the, even the criminal justice one, like uh, from, you know, the legality of just like, by no means are we like all for like locking everyone up. Like, you know, I have obviously mass incarceration is a huge issue in this country. We Mm -hmm. incarcerate so many more people than all the other countries. So many are drug related. They're typically people of color, like so many issues there. But the one with addiction is it's yeah, it's so nuanced. Like I know we've said on this podcast so many times, like the best place for an addict to be is is either like in, in the hospital or in jail. And I mean, not the best, obviously, maybe like rehab or, you know, wanting to get clean is the best place. But I don't know. It's just yeah, it's just a situation where it's so nuanced of like, I don't know. It's it's tough. Yeah. Even with the boyfriend. I mean, it's like there's so many nuances there of like, you know, this is someone who we're not a fan of and we will have to give the background at, at some point on that whole saga because it's truly a saga. Yeah, it's a whole story. <laughs> you know, and in my mind, like, you know, I always say like, I don't think they're good or bad people. I think we're all just human. Um, and I have to remind myself of, of that because I've, you know, my first thought is like, he's not a good person. Um, and he's definitely taken advantage of Sarah's mom, my aunt. Um, but at the same time, like they, he, he, I think he does care about her. Um, and I know her and we know that like, she has probably calling him incessantly and begging and convincing. She's very convincing. Um, and she, she's can be pretty manipulative too. probably begging him to bring her heroin to the hospital. And he is probably having an internal conflict. Do I do it? Do I not? Um, 
And yeah, I mean, it's just like, just thinking through like him going there, shooting her up. Like, is that an act of love? I don't know. Like in his mind as an addict as well, like, is he doing that because he loves her and it's because it's what she wants. And he like, it's just so crazy to think through. Yeah. I mean, different lenses you know he truly doesn't have benefit if she dies technically so I do think it is an act of love because I will say this heroin makes you completely not care about anything like she'll go from the pain she's in to just a zombie unless you receive too much and so I mean is that a solution (laughs) No, not no. stuff she has going on, especially with her body, because not only does it make her comatose to where the bed sores are getting worse, but also it makes her not eat or drink. And when you yeah. have an infection to the extent that she has, you have to have a certain level of protein in your body or you'll go into renal failure. Because your body can't fight it and it'll start retaining fluid, either renal failure or you'll start getting fluid on your lungs and your heart. And that's what happens. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. And then thinking about her being like mad the next day, like I wonder what feel like again, I've I've never been an addict, so I I don't know. Like, was there shame in her? Like, did she feel like that's why she was angry? Was like she was trying to protect and knowing she was trying to protect him for sure. Um, I think it was shame on the a part of protecting a partner that she wants to be with. Um, But probably for herself too, like all of us knowing and her mom and her sister and like having to like, she constantly denies her use. So like having to like, feel like they knew it, like she's probably embarrassed, honestly. And she did. She denied it. He denied it. Um, And it came out. She finally admitted it to a nurse that she had snorted it again because they were pulling her IV. I mean, you know, the last time she said she snorted it, that incident kind of got brushed under the rug, but they're not going to leave an open IV. They can go straight to a good vein for someone that's got heroin being peddled in from outside. So she really screwed herself because now she can't get liquid dilated and she's on pills, which don't manage your pain as well. And so I think that was a plea for keeping her IV that no, I'm not shooting it. Like I only snorted it, but it's like they're over it, you know? Right. Which as they should be one, I didn't even know that you could snort heroin. That is news to me. Okay. So here's the thing from what I know, I'm not an expert. The heroin in our area is nasty. It is dirty, nasty. So normally you can't snort the heroin in our area because it's like brown tar. So to get a quality of heroin, that's actually a powder that you can snort is rare. Um, if you guys ever watch, um, Ozark, the latest season really goes into heroin, how it's made from poppies and like quality. So if you get the quality, that's not cut and it's, it's a complete, it looks different. That is snortable. I don't even think you can get that in our area. Do you think she's lying? I don't or do you know. think she actually, yeah, I mean, I guess there's no way we could know. I don't know. And yeah. speculating isn't helpful. It's just crazy. And like we've mentioned as well, too, in, in the past, it's like, we're not suggesting that, like, you know, nurses and, you know, healthcare staff members should have to deal with this no. shit. They shouldn't at all. I mean, um, they're because, already stressed the fuck out. Those people yeah, are angels. Absolutely. And I mean, 
even just like, can you imagine like having to continue to like give care to someone who does not care about themselves? Like that would like, they don't owe, like they don't know this person. They don't owe this person anything other than like their, you know, commitment and dedication to healthcare. Like, cause a yeah. lot of them, they've met her many times. They've seen her throughout oh, the they last, know her. Yeah. they know her, they know that she doesn't give a shit that, you know, they care more about her well, well-being and health than she does. Um, and again, I, you know, I don't want to like dehumanize her. I don't want to say she doesn't give a shit. Obviously addiction is a disease and this is, you know, it's, it's taken over and that's her priority, not her health yeah. and well-being obviously. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's crazy. It's scary to think that anyone could come into an hos- a hospital. It's scary to think that anyone could bring drugs into the hospital and just, yeah. Like why would a, why would a, a, a nurse or anyone on staff assume that outside drugs have been given to someone who is, is now unconscious and you know, the respiratory yeah. system is stopping. Like that's, it's just crazy. Um, I was telling Sarah that I have a really good friend who works um, kind of in healthcare and insurance policy in in a different state. But she said that listening to this podcast, like, you know, that's something that like, she's trying to think through like policy to enact of like, how can we have something in place in hospitals? And again, I want to be very clear, like, I'm very against over-policing. I don't, know that that's the solution to a lot of issues um but it definitely is a, is a thing and it's and it's dangerous and but then but then there's the other side of like this person clearly wants to do this i mean i don't know you know what i mean like they're they're an adult and they're making the decision and i don't know what's the right answer i don't know it's a Just really nuanced situation you say that there's you know the listener that's in policy that's even thinking through trying to create a solution like gives me chill bumps because that's the only reason I'm sharing my screwed up story. You know, like if we have to go through this shit, maybe we can make a better purpose. And that is why Morgan and I are here to build community, to build support, to build awareness, hopefully fix some of these problems or be an influencer to fix some of these problems. And again, we don't know the solutions to all of them, but what I can tell you is when she first checked in, and this was one of many hospitals she's been to over the last year, they said, we recommend hospice because of your non-compliance. They were yep. done. They didn't yep. want to move forward with trying to fix her. And I don't think that had anything to do with the drug use or the reasons. It had to do with her literally leaving the hospital multiple times against their advice, their medical advice. Yeah. And so, you know, when she said, no, I don't want to die, you know, like I want to fight, I'll do whatever it takes, which within 24 hours turned into double leg amputations, which was scary as shit. They were like, okay, well, you have to be on the same page. You have to be on the same page with us. You have to be willing to fight. This is going to be hard as shit. It's going to hurt like a son of a bitch. You know, like it's not an easy road. You have a very long, very painful road to recovery for your body, you know? And at the same time, I'm like, hey, can you guys get psych in here? Hey, psych still hasn't came. Like we're trying to get this woman who is involuntarily not on heroin right now and meth to agree to fight for her life and get her legs amputated. And we're not even addressing her mental health. That should be the first thing we're addressing. That drives everything. And it's like, why are we still missing that piece? Why are we just going straight into, you better be on board. And by the way, we're going to do all this to you. And it's like, can I get this woman an antidepressant, please? Like it took me two weeks to get her a psych evaluation after her legs were amputated. Which is crazy. You would think it would be just 
And this is a very reasonable medical facility she's at. There's yeah. way worse ones in the area. But you would think, especially with a limb amputation, like there would be some counseling or something built into the plan. Like, right. what? I had to beg and plead just to get her on an antidepressant, which they put her on the wrong damn one and it made her worse. And I was like, y'all need to switch this right now because I know what works better with our bodies. Right. But it's like, can we help her mental health? Can we can we put mental health as a thing that, especially in a life-altering, terrible fucking situation where someone is dying, can be addressed first or even on the fucking radar? Like, yeah. I as a family member asked so many fucking times and it was still not happening. But then they're drilling her about, well, we got to change these wounds. We know it's going to hurt. Well, goddamn. Her head's yeah. so fucked up, y'all. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, even just thinking about like, yeah, the chemicals in her brain after doing heroin for so long and then not being on it. And then, yeah, considering here's a decision about whether you are going to live or not. And also we're amputating your legs if you decide to, to live. Like that's just, yeah, it's so much mentally when you think about that, um, which also yeah. makes me think, and this is something, you know, we haven't dove into much. Um, and I want to again, reiterate that we're not professionals by any means uh, or experts on the topic, but like root causes of addiction, mental health is, is top of that list. Um, yeah. You know, there are a lot of things in this country and our society in general that contribute to addiction and uh, yeah, mental health is, is huge. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the stigma is slowly getting better, but by no means do we have enough resources to address mental health. And by no means have we gotten to a point where it's as taken as seriously as it should be. I mean, even with her mental health and her substance abuse issues, it's like no one in the hospital wants to talk about it. I've literally had people in the past be like, well, we're not worried about that. And it's like, but you need to be. It's the whole reason she's here. It's the so whole this fucking time, reason. Yeah. I was just like, I don't care if you guys want to hear about it or not. This is what we're dealing with. Because right. you need to be aware of what has happened this year. All the damage. You know, you need to be aware of what she's going home to so she doesn't swindle you into going home again because she's not going to get home health. As soon as she goes home from the hospital, every time home health starts calling me the next day. Why? Because they can't get a hold of her because she won't follow through with her care. And yeah, I mean, what is the answer? Yeah, I don't, I don't I, know. But even thinking about like, and look, I'm not saying that like, if you've had trauma, you're going to be an addict. Obviously that's not true. And if you're an addict, then you've had trauma. That's not true either. Addiction, you know, whatever. But I mean, even if you think about her, like we know she had significant trauma as a child. Yes. Um, she's confirmed that like, we, we know that um, uh, like, you know, again, again significant trauma. Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, and, and the and biggest that was, problem is it was never dealt with. Right. It was, it was, she brought it up. It was, she was told, no, you're lying. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. You know, it yeah. was about the family reputation and, you know, we can't tarnish that. Da, 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 da. And yeah, she was never allowed to, to. So how do you process it. and heal from something that your own family won't even support you on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, exactly. yeah, that festers into at a very young age, finding shit to make your mind Take it off of everything that bothers you. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and then, then, yeah, like I think we also have mental health in our family that is probably genetic, even without the trauma. So, I mean, there's just so, so much of the root of addiction does link back to mental health. And yeah. we just don't just, have a system. We don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the support. We've come a long ways, but it's there's so many barriers in our country still. Right. I mean, we will say for the, you know, umpteenth time that like 
therapy is a privilege in itself. And, you know, therapy maybe doesn't even fully address, you know, a lot of the issues and it's just very hard to access and you have to be in a good mental space (laughs) to really be able to address your mental health. And that requires a privilege in itself. And like, there's just, there's so much uh, that really, really could, I think, be solved if we really started prioritizing addressing mental health on all different levels as a society. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Man, I mean, we're trying. Guys, we're talking about it. <laughs> I'm just like numb this week. That's back to where I am. I just feel numb. Yeah, it. I mean, even like you know, you obviously told me what had happened this week, but even just like hearing you retell, you know, her ODing and everything, like it just makes me so sad and like sick to my stomach to think about. Like, yeah, and it well, just I can sucks see because your face getting more expressive than mine, and I'm yeah. literally just at a point where I'm just I feel numb this week, and I go yeah. through phases like that. Yeah, it's it's hard because as a loved one, like again, all we can do is just like know that she's our loved one. She's your mom. She's my aunt. You know, again, we have a very yeah. small family, and I mean, we can hope, we can do whatever we can, but like at the end of the day, like it's her decision. If she never wants to get clean, if if she's fighting to live so that she can go back to her house and use heroin, like there's absolutely and what nothing it does do. to the ones around it, and that's the biggest piece that Morgan and I have advocated for. You know, a lot of times you'll get someone who suffers with substance, and they're like, "It's my body, it's my life." No, you don't understand understand that it impacts the ones around you so much more than you and the stress and the sickness that it is causing our Nana, Morgan's mom, me. I mean, that's real life. Yeah. And you know, it's a really, really, it feels really shitty and fucking dark as shit to say, but I've said this to Sarah like plenty of times is like, you know, that phone call that getting the phone call from the hospital, you know, uh, Sarah always, you know, is kind of expecting like she's dead. That's what you're waiting on. I thought it was over. Right. We've been waiting for years on that phone call because, you know, she's been using for years. Um, And honestly, like, and this is something that like, again, it's, it's hard to say out loud. It feels really shitty and fucked up to say out loud, but I know other people who have dealt with addiction know that when she does finally pass, the relief that comes from that. And again, it's crazy to say that out loud on a podcast, but like there is a sense of relief because when you're a loved one of an addict, you're always just so scared of what's going to come with that phone call. You're just waiting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, you may feel stable, but you're not. You're never like in purgatory. It's always, there's always turmoil. There's always something that could just put the train off the tracks in one phone call. And honestly, I said this before, when my father passed away, it was the best thing that could have happened for his mother because she didn't stay up and kill herself and worry herself. Now she just deals with the grief. But before it was constant worry. Is he alive? Is he okay? How can I do better? How can I help him? And like from our Nana's perspective, like this is my mother. Like it is hard, but I could not imagine it being my child and right. what she's going through. Like, yeah, I, it's so, that's so upsetting to think about. And and even my mom who, you know, like that's, that's her sister. It's and her like, kid's sister. Yeah. Yeah. She's had a lot of loss in her life as, as we've discussed on this podcast. And like, she's lost her sister too, you know? Um, she has. And it just, it, it sucks. Um, and that's the thing, like grief 
is awful. It sucks. It sucks to lose someone. There's nothing that can compare to it, but it's stable. There's no anxiety with grief. You know, yeah. you're not wondering what's going to happen. You know, it doesn't keep you. It's just, yeah, it's, it's very different. And I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I don't know. There's something there. It feels fucked up to say that out loud, but yeah, I can't, can't I agree 1000% though. Yeah. So, mm. oh, y'all, I'm just glad yeah. that this week is almost over for us, anyways. <laughs> yeah. I need a break. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you've done a little getaway. I think that's yes. good. And the weather is going to be nice. Antler Village wine. And some big ass house tours. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Listeners who are not from the southeast region of the United States are probably like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> Biltmore, look it up. Cool story. <laughs> yeah, Biltmore in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, the cherry blossoms are blooming in D.C., so that's exciting. Even mm. though it's pretty concerning because it's very early. The planet, God bless it. Oh, they're um, not supposed to be blooming yet. Oh, yeah. It's. Well, yeah, it just gets earlier and earlier every year, it seems, um, which is, you know, definitely a sign of climate change, which sucks. But, <laughs> but God, the trees are pretty. So we'll t- <laughs> <laughs> send me pictures. <laughs> oh, well, send pictures. Um, I'm trying to think, like, let's try to end on a positive. Uh, yeah. Hey, you guys, don't judge people. Don't hold grudges. Love people where they are. You cannot control the future. You cannot control other people. Do that little saying where just worry about shit that you can do yourself and just love people, have humanity. You know, everybody has their challenges. I don't think that one really ranks higher than others, even though people judge it that way. Like a challenge is a challenge. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, look, your boundaries are important and your boundaries are the so that you can love yourself. Um, but just choose love. If you know, at the end of the day, like life is so fucking short. We're on this floating rock where shit is not great (laughs) in general on this floating rock. So just like choose love at the end of the day, like love on your loved ones. Um, again, keep your boundaries, like yourself comes first, love on yourself first, but yeah, just choose love. I think that's my message. (laughs) And always remember to savor the moment. We're always working toward the next best thing, but you're never going to enjoy that if you don't enjoy now. So just live in the moment a little bit unplug say yeah. Yeah, get it, off man. those damn devices gosh i know so bad uh, true but yeah get outside you know while the weather's getting nice well hopefully it's nice wherever you guys are it's it's nice on the east coast of the united yeah. states so it's getting warmer and sunnier and mm-hmm. yeah get outside oh i have a positive what? and we can post a picture i am so proud to announce that i'm a new mother as of yesterday and have adopted a little kitten and its name is Mowgli Binks and he's Aww. adorable and has the coolest personality ever. And Aww. he got to go on a vacation before he goes home because the place wasn't open on Sunday. So I just got him on the way to the Airbnb and him and Darcy's oh, really? been living it up. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to post a picture. So That's... Darcy's like, um, I don't know, but okay. I'll play with him. <laughs> she, so they, you'll have to mm-hmm. take a video. Of uh, they've been sleeping together and playing Aww. together. It's adorable. Oh, so. I love that. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll, we'll end on that. We'll post a photo yeah. of, of him. That's sweet. Mowgli. Mowgli. That's cute. Thank you. Um, All right. Well, I yeah, enjoy you. the rest of your week. I hate seeing <laughs> you cry. I know. It's hard. 
I love you too. And And I I love love all of you guys. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.